Well, good morning, church. Oh, let me try that one more time. Good morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. So this morning we begin a, an entirely new series through the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, aforementioned. And uh, I wanted to give you a unique perspective this morning on the book of 1 Corinthians and really uh, this series that we're calling Living Life Like the Church in a Messy World. Maybe you know about that, that world that we live in. And so that I can give you a very unique perspective about living like the church in a messy world, I want to come to you from the perspective of the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of 1 Corinthians. So I'm going to come to you this morning like perhaps the Apostle Paul would have come to you. Well, good morning. My name is Paul. I'm an apostle by the grace of Jesus. You see, I was one who actually persecuted the church. Uh, if you want to know about a messy world, I know all about messy. In fact, I created some messes. I was one who created messes by actually persecuting the church. Uh, you may not know this, but I was actually a terrorist, uh, one who wanted to persecute and get rid of Christians. Uh, I wanted to get rid of uh, Jesus' ragtag bunch of followers. And then, really by the grace of God, God Himself came to me and I became one like then, I had created a mess, and now God was giving me the task of helping to clean it all up. I know what it's like to both make messes, and I've seen plenty of messes. I bet you know plenty of messes too. Messes that are out there in the world. I've seen lots of messes in the world. Crazy politics, anyone? I've seen that kind of mess. Uh, how about divisions among people because of their economic status? I've seen that mess. Racism, sexism, divisions that lead to disagreements, that lead to friends and family dividing. I've seen that mess. Have you seen any mess like that in the world? Oh, I know all about messes, and, and hey, everybody, should we be all that surprised that the world is messy? I mean, a long time ago, some 2,000 years ago, the world was just all about the messy world, and should we be surprised at the messy world? I mean, oh, look around you. The world is operating under a, a whole philosophy and a way of living that says we don't need Jesus as Lord. We don't need the knowledge of the Scriptures. We don't need any sort of wisdom from God. We just need our own knowledge. Should we be surprised that the world is messy? And I bet this morning that you're asking a question. It's a question uh, based on the newspaper headlines that I've seen recently. Uh, it's a question that most of you in this room have been asking yourselves for quite some time now. And that question is how am I supposed to live like Christ in a messy world? 
How is the church supposed to live as the church in a world that is as messy as the one? In that kind of a world, what's the word of the Lord? What does God have to say about living in a messy world? Well, that's why I'm here today. As an apostle of the Lord. I want to give you a word from the Lord, and I want to do that by taking you on a journey. Actually, I want to take you on my second missionary journey. It was a journey that that actually led me to a place called Corinth. Now, Corinth, it was a a great place, and I'm going to tell you all about the place that is Corinth. But there's a church there, this wonderful, messy, glorious, yet ugly church. There's lots going on in this church. You see, they once lived like pagans. They did whatever they wanted. Uh, they, they allowed their, their, their lives to dictate whatever they would wish and wherever they would go. And, and yet they met Jesus. They were unified with Him in baptism. They unified their life with that of Jesus in their baptism. And you would think, wouldn't you, that once all the mess would just go away. And yet, as is the case in a messy world, the mess of the world sometimes finds its way into the church. Finds its way into believers who have been unified with Jesus. Finds its way into the fellowship, uh, into the gathering of people uh, called the church. Life can be messy, but this morning there is a word from the Lord. And so that you can hear the word from the Lord, I'm going to take you on my second missionary journey. I'm going to tell you how I came to be in Corinth. And then I'm going to tell you about the mess that I found when I came to Corinth. I'm going to tell you about this city and this church. One perhaps that you need to hear this morning. One that begins to answer the question for you, how will I live as a Christian in a messy world? How will the church be the church in a world that is messy? If you want to hear about my uh, second missionary journey in, in its entirety, then I would encourage you to open your Bibles and you can go to Acts the book of Acts, uh, chapter 16 through chapter 18, and really read all about my second missionary journey. Uh, I'm going to give you the cliff note version. You see, I had been with Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas and I, we had been on some tremendous things in the name of Christ. Uh, We had given that message, this good news of Jesus' grace that was now offered to all people. It was extraordinary, and and there was this council in Jerusalem, and there was a bunch of people meeting together, and and it was decided that you didn't have to become Jewish in order to be a Christian. Isn't that good news? 
And it was shortly after that that Barnabas and I, we were getting together and we were thinking about going back to the churches that we had planted so that we might encourage them, so that we might build them up, so that we might again tell them about the gospel. And we had a disagreement. You see, Barnabas is a really compassionate guy. Actually, he accepted me when no one else would. And that didn't stop. You see, Barnabas, being the compassionate guy that he was, had decided that he wanted to take John Mark along. And I guess that was okay, except we had already been... Well, he had failed us. He had left us when we needed him, and I wasn't about to ask him to come along again. And, and, and so you might say that Barnabas and I decided to go in different ministry paths. Barnabas took John Mark and headed back to where he was from, and I took Silas and went forward. And we went to Lystra and Derby, and, and we picked up some, somebody that you might recognize. His name was Timothy, and Timothy became just such a great son in the faith for me. And he joined us along the journey. And when we had... And when we had made sure that Timothy was along for the ride. Timothy came along and, and we went to a number of places and we were kept from, by the Holy Spirit from going some places, but uh, we eventually made our way to Troas and uh, to Samothrace and Neapolis and something that you might know, a city that you might recognize in Philippi. Can I tell you a little bit about our experience in Philippi? Just really quickly, it was on our way to Corinth where we're eventually going to go, but uh, there we were in Philippi, and did you know that there's a lot of snails in Philippi? You know the snails that, that go along the ground and they're very slow-moving creatures? Did you know this? You see, there was a gal that we met there. Her name was Lydia. She was a seller of purple, but do you know how they make purple? snails they need lots and lots of snails and so we met this gal her name was Lydia and we told her about Jesus and she decided uh, right then and there with uh, her and her family that they would uh, be followers of Jesus and she was baptized into Jesus it was a great day well, as we stayed in Philippi a little longer, there was this gal, and she was demon-possessed, and she would follow us around, and, and finally, I had just had enough. Uh, do you ever have enough when someone follows you around? It's like someone's tapping you on the shoulder constantly, uh, following you around. Have you ever noticed that sometimes some people can be kind of annoying? I'm not any of you, of course. But sometimes someone gets annoying and finally I'd had enough of this demon-possessed woman and I finally turned around and I told her, in the name of Jesus, the Spirit come out of her. And it did. The only problem was that someone was manipulating this poor woman, this woman that had been possessed by a demon for their own uh, economic gain, for their financial gain. They were... They were using her for what they could give to her monetarily. They needed the money, you see. And finally, when I had said that, their, their money-making venture had gone out the window, and I got kind of in some trouble. And so me and Silas find ourselves in jail. I'm a jailbird. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> 
So there I was in jail. Did you know that jail is a great place to sing? Silas and I, we, we decided that we were going to sing in jail. I mean, you guys all think that singing in the shower is fun. I'm going to tell you that singing in the jail is fun. Actually, Paul and, or, uh, uh, me and Silas, we, we came up with a, a, a really nice little tune while we were there in jail. Do you want to hear it? Okay, here it is. <clears throat> Paul and Silas were in jail, bail they could not make. Walls were falling, jailers calling, singing a song of praise. What do you think? Should we take it on the road? I got a thumbs down. So there we were, we're singing, and, and, and yes, the walls of the, uh, the prison cell fell down, and the jailer's about to kill himself, and we're like, wait, time out. Hold on. And this incredible thing happens. The jailer, hearing the good news of Jesus, uh, he and his family decide to be followers of the Lord Jesus. And we went from there, and there was Thessalonica, and there was the Bereans in Berea, uh, and they uh, had looked at the Old Testament Scriptures to see if what we were saying about Jesus was actually true. And then we went to Athens, and Athens is a really incredible place. It's kind of a scholarly place. And I tried to preach one of the best sermons that I could think of. I actually tried to use some of their own songs and philosophers to say, hey, uh, you, you like this truth. Let me tell you about who is really true. And I tried to tell them about Jesus there. If you want to catch that sermon, it's in Acts chapter 17. And it was from Athens that we found our, ourselves in this messy place called Corinth. Can I tell you that Corinth was a messy place? I mean, if you thought Corinth was awesomer, Corinth was probably the most well-known city in Greece at that time. Can I tell you that some of the messiness that we find in the church was because of some of the messiness that we found in the world in Corinth. You see, if you were to get out a map of Greece and go down to one of the southern tips, there is Corinth. And, and Corinth sat on this little sliver of land. Uh, some people call it an isthmus. Isthmus really means neck. It was this long sliver of ground. It was about four miles wide. And it was perfectly positioned for a city to have tremendous economic and financial prosperity. There was Corinth on this little sliver of ground. And do you know what that meant? It meant that all the ships in the region would go to Corinth and they would unload their goods because of this little sliver of land. 
They would go to Corinth because if they didn't go to Corinth, they would have to go all the way south, down around a cape where there was a rough seas, and it was said of the sailors of the time that if you were to go south around those seas, uh, that you would, if you made it past there once, would make sure to make your will the next time because you would lose your life sliver of ground and if your ship was really large what you would do is you would harbor your ship uh, you would unload all of your goods you would have them packed across that four mile sliver of land and you would put in on the other side it was a lot quicker and a lot safer to go that way uh, than it was to go all the way around what did that mean for Corinth it meant that there was lots of economic prosperity it meant that uh, the interstate highway of the seas went north and south, and the precipice of all of that was right there in Corinth. It meant everything was moving through Corinth. It meant that there were jobs in Corinth. Are you with me? North and south, everybody had to go through Corinth. It was economically prosperous. And it wasn't just that. Actually, uh, it was the cross piece, north and south, but also east and west. There, were, uh, there was an interstate highway, you might say, running east and west, coming out of Corinth with all the goods that were coming into Corinth. There was economic prosperity uh, that you and I might not be able to imagine. Did you know that sometimes economic prosperity means there's a mess? You see, there was all of this money flowing through the city of Corinth, and that meant that when we came to the church, there were divisions among people because of the class that they happened to be in. There were people in Corinth, believe it or not, that because of their wealth, they decided that other people in the church were not quite as good as other people. And there were times that in the gathering of the church, there were people that would have the Lord's Supper and they would have a great feast and they would fill themselves even to the point of drunkenness. And, and when they would do that, they would take those who had been working in the field, they would take those who were laborers and they would say, ah, oh, you're not quite good enough to be in this crowd. It was messy because of how God had, had shaped the land and allowed for this small piece of land to be in Corinth, it also meant that some people didn't really like the idea of me being a tent maker. You see, I had come from humble origins, and yet I had come uh, under this guise of saying, I want to give you the good news of Jesus, but I didn't really want to take a wage in Corinth because I knew how that would be perceived there. It would be perceived there that somehow now I owe them something. And so I decided to go back to tent making uh, with Aquila and Priscilla who had already been there in Corinth. And even in these humble origins, I needed to try and convince them that me being a tent maker didn't disqualify me for giving the gospel of Jesus. Do you hear about the mess? Something else that you need to know about Corinth is that it was an incredibly competitive place. 
It valued competition maybe higher than all the other things that it valued. Competition was king. Competition led to division. It led to disagreement over who was better and whose gifts uh, had more uh, applicability in the church, uh, who was best gifted in the church. You, you, you hear that in this? You see, Corinth would every two years host the, what was called the Isthmus Games. And they would have these games. And it wasn't just about athletics. It was about rhetoric. It was about philosophy. It was about argumentation. It was about music. It was about theology and philosophy. And you would come and you would give these theologies and these philosophies and you would try and uh, retort to everyone in the audience to agree with you. And it became a competition to be won. You see, giving speeches... Was like, it was like trying to make yourself come to the, mm, the top 100 chart. It was like trying to make sure that you heard the applause, applause, applause of all of those who were sitting down. This was the very reason that when I came to Corinth, I said, you know what, I'm not going to give this wonderful rhetoric. Oh, I, I could have. I could have put together a wonderful little sermon and rhetoric. I, I was very capable, you know. But when I came to Corinth, I was not about to trivialize the good news of Jesus. I wasn't about to trivialize the truth by handing it to an audience and saying, oh, you get to decide. That's why I said when I came to Corinth, my preaching is not with wise and persuasive words, but with the Spirit's power. I came to preach a message of Christ and Him crucified. You see, if competition in a culture uh, that is messy and that is competing with one another and it's creating division, uh, I was not about to hand over the gospel so that it could, tr truth could be trivialized by the audience. You see, something that you need to know about the gospel is you don't get to decide whether or not it's true. It already is true. Jesus is already Lord. You have to accept that or reject that, but you do not get to manipulate it. That's why when I came to Corinth, it wasn't a matter of competition. You don't get to decide what truth means. And that's because life was messy in Corinth. Competition was king. Something else that we, we noticed in Corinth is that there was a term. It actually had grown over that period of time. It originated in Corinth. It was called Corinthianize or Corinthianizing. It had become a verb for how the people of Corinthian or how, how, how the people of Corinth had lived. 
there was lots of Corinthianizing going on. You see, Corinth was a sexually promiscuous place. In fact, so sexually promiscuous was this place that uh, there was a temple about a thousand or more feet up on the mountain just over uh, Corinth, and uh, there was a temple to Aphrodite there, the goddess of love. I don't know that love was what she was promoting. There were a thousand temple prostitutes up there. And did you know that if you were a, a really good citizen of Corinth, that sometimes you would be allowed to go up onto the mountain of Aphrodite with a thousand prostitutes and get a free night. That's how promiscuous this place was. And it had leaked into the church. There were people in the church who were being promiscuous with their lives and their identity in a sexual way. And life was messy. And above all of that, we had this proud, proud city of people who thought they didn't need anyone and I needed to come and tell them, no, no. You cannot pick yourself up. You are not wise enough. You do not know enough. You do not have enough. You need Jesus. Do you want to know the message that I preach to them? Are you interested? Do you want to know how I'm answering the question for them in the messy world that they were living in? Do you want to know how I answered how they should live in a messy world? Are you interested? Do you want to know? If you open up that letter, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, these two letters that I write, I mention the word Lord some 66 times. Lord. You want to know the message that I gave to them? Make Jesus Lord. Let Jesus be in charge. Walk out in your life like Jesus is the boss. That was the message I gave to the Corinthians. As they lived in a messy world, I said, above all else, in all of the divisions, in all of the sexually promiscuous activity, in all of the social division, in all of the drunkenness, in all the issues that the Corinthian church was having, the one thing they needed to do in all of it was make Jesus Lord. Now, I don't, I don't have to tell you about a messy world, do I? I suspect that you know all about a messy world. I bet you know all about a world that's greedy, that has issues with understanding sexual identity and promiscuousness. I bet you know all about a world that, that has issues with uh, economic divisions between people. I bet you know all about a world of racism and sexism. 
I bet you know all about divisions that are disagreements that get blown out of proportion, uh, that become uh, giant molehills and mountains, even in the church. I suspect uh, that even sitting here this morning, you know little places in this fellowship right here where life is messy. And so can I tell you this morning... Can I give you a word from the Lord? Make Jesus Lord. Allow Jesus to be in charge. Walk out in your life like Jesus is the boss. You know what? Life is messy. And Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we love You. And we need Your help to live in this messy world. We can't do it without You. We don't have enough knowledge. We don't have enough wisdom. We don't have any, enough uh, money. But You have given Your grace in abundance. And so may we accept Your grace, and as we accept Your grace, may we live You out as Lord. Lord, live in us in a powerful way. That as we live in a messy world, You will live in abundance in us, and we will make You Lord. We love You. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.